Mormon Discussion Podcast is about helping Latter-day Saints like you lead with faith while tackling deeper, complex issues within Mormonism. All financial support goes directly towards keeping the podcast alive and supporting listeners like you. To support the podcast, please consider becoming a premium subscriber at mormondiscussionpodcast.org. Again, that's mormondiscussionpodcast, all one word, dot org. You can do this for as little as $1.50 a month or $12 a year. And this will also reward you by letting you listen to premium episodes like this one months before the general public has access. Thanks for listening. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome to another episode of Mormon Discussion. I'm your host, Bill Real. Uh, first, let's start off with just a couple of things. In the last few months, we've been working on the website, updating it. You'll notice that when you sign on to uh, the homepage, the website, you'll see all free and premium episodes, and you'll be told there when the premium episodes become free episodes. You won't be able to access those premium episodes unless you're a premium subscriber. And so become a premium subscriber today for as little as $1.50 a month or $12 a year. You can do that by clicking the subscriber tab at the top. For the premium listeners, you can sign into your account on the homepage. Go into your account page on your profile, and there should be a wish list member URL. Copy that URL. That URL is individual to you. Take that URL and copy it into third-party apps like iTunes and others. And now you'll see then the premium episodes show up in that feed on your podcast app. And you will then be able to listen to the premium episodes straight from your phone. Uh, Again, appreciate each of you who are supporting the podcast. The listeners are growing every day, and it just means so much to me to have you guys think this work is valuable. So with that, I'd like to jump into the episode. It is February 4th, 2016. The episode probably won't release premium for about a month or two and then probably not free for two or three months. So you're going to be listening to this way after the fact. But I just got back from the Arizona fireside with Thomas Worthland McConkie. It was just incredible. Wendy Montgomery and Cody Starton helped to to put this on. Just two incredible people and uh, all the work that they're doing out there in the Arizona area. Just uh, appreciated. The fireside was just incredible and and to be able to talk to Thomas and to spend some time with him, had breakfast breakfast with him the next morning. Also had a lot of time to spend with Wendy and her husband Thomas, and to talk with them about uh, all the things that are going on within their lives and and within Mormonism. Then uh, on that Saturday morning after breakfast with Thomas, there was a a workshop, and in this workshop, uh, Thomas Worthen McConkie sat down with 15 or 20 or so people, including myself and a couple of friends that I took with me. And, and we did some things like meditation and, and just like talking through faith development in kind of doing some inner work, uh, as we kind of talked about what faith development is and what we're asking from the church and from other aspects of our lives and, and what we really have control over and what are the best kind of ways to, to work within that. It was just an amazing spiritual time. I, I probably hadn't felt the Holy Ghost that strong in, in maybe even a couple of years. And it was just an amazing opportunity. I can't keep saying that enough. And, uh, went to church Sunday with Wendy Montgomery and Cody Starton and their families and got a chance to kind of see their ward. And their ward is awesome. Very welcoming. 
uh, it was interesting uh, to have people walk up and say hi and shake your hand. It doesn't happen in every ward I visit, and, and so I was grateful to be in that ward. But in the Sunday school lesson, they were talking about Nephi and, and when he went, when he was commanded by God to build the ship. And it got me thinking, got me thinking about this episode that I wanted to do, and so I hope you'll bear with me as we kind of run through some of this. I've got a bit of a cold, and so I may sound a little off today. I'm sorry for that. But it's just been really kind of cool to kind of, uh, look some of this stuff up and to, and to prepare for this lesson. I want to ta- start with the idea of stewardship. And stewardship is defined in the church uh, this way. So on LDS.org, the guide to the scriptures, there's the word steward or stewardship. The church defines steward this way, a person who takes care of the affairs of property of another. That which a steward cares for is called a stewardship. All things on earth belong to the Lord. We are his stewards. We are accountable to the Lord, but we may report on our stewardship to God's authorized representatives. When we receive a calling of service from the Lord or his authorized servants, that stewardship may include both spiritual and temporal affairs. Now, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we take stewardship really seriously, so seriously that we have rules and practices that surround this idea of stewardship. And so let me share a couple of talks of people talking about stewardship. So here, for instance, is a quote from Elder L. Tom Perry in the October 2003 General Conference titled, We Believe All That God Has Revealed. Here is Elder Perry. There is order in the way the Lord reveals His will to mankind. We all have the right to petition the Lord and receive inspiration through His Spirit within the realm of our own stewardship. Parents can receive revelation for their own family, a bishop for his assigned congregation, on up to the First Presidency for the entire Church. However, we cannot receive revelation for someone else's stewardship. The Prophet Joseph Smith declared, It is contrary to the economy of God for any member of the Church or anyone to receive instructions for those in authority higher than themselves. Revelations of the mind and will of God to the Church are to come through the First Presidency. This is the order of heaven and the power and privilege of this priesthood. It is also the privilege of any officer in the Church to obtain revelations so far as it relates to his particular calling and duty in the church. So Elder Perry here, the quote that really catches my eye is the quote that says, it is contrary to the economy of God for any member of the church or anyone to receive instruction for those in authority higher than themselves. That this idea that no one can receive revelation on behalf of anybody higher up in authority. And I started to think about that in the middle of the Sunday school lesson. And and it got me thinking, and so I, I found this talk by Elder Perry, and then I wanted to link to another talk. This is from a BYU talk. It can be found on the BYU Speeches website. It was given by Elder Oaks. The title of the talk is Revelation. And this was given in September 29th of 1981. 
And so we'll turn the time over to Elder Oaks now on his quote from this talk. First, we should understand what can be called the principle of stewardship in Revelation. Our Heavenly Father's house is a house of order, where his servants are commanded to act in the office in which they are appointed. This principle applies to Revelation. Only the president of the Church receives Revelation to guide the entire Church. Only the stake president receives Revelation for the special guidance of the stake. The person who receives Revelation for the ward is the bishop. For a family, it is the priesthood leadership of the family. Leaders receive revelation for their own stewardship. Individuals can receive revelation to guide their own lives. But when one person purports to receive revelation for another person outside his or her stewardship, such as a church member who claims to have revelation to guide the entire church, or a person who claims to have a revelation to guide another person over whom he or she has no presiding authority according to the order of the church, you can be sure that such revelations are not from the Lord. There are counterfeit signals. Satan is a great deceiver, and he is the source of some of these spurious revelations. Others are simply imagined. If a revelation is outside the limits of stewardship, you know it is not from the Lord, and you are not bound by it. And so you can see here that if if you receive revelation, Elder Oaks is saying if you receive revelation for someone in higher authority than you, then you can know for sure that that revelation is false. And I like this idea of stewardship, and I think I think we need this kind of order in any organization to some extent, right? But the key is that there has to be balance. There has to be some checks and balances. Otherwise, abuse of power can occur even in the true and living church. And and I think the scriptures hold out this way. So let me start with an example that I find absolutely supports this idea of stewardship. And and it's when it's when Nephi's bow breaks and his brothers Laman and Lemuel, their metal bows lose their spring. And it's interesting because even Lehi is murmuring at this point. And and Nephi uh, goes to I think honor this this idea of stewardship and authority and revelation within the bounds that we've heard in these previous two talks. And so let me read that. This is in First Nephi chapter 16. I'll start in verse 18. It says, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, went forth to slay food. Behold, I did break my bow, which was made of fine steel. And after I did break my bow, behold, my brethren were angry with me because of the loss of my bow. For we did obtain no food. And it came to pass that we did return without food to our families, and being much fatigued because of their journeying, they did suffer much for the want of food. And it came to pass that Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael did begin to murmur exceedingly because of their sufferings and afflictions in the wilderness. And also my father began to murmur against the Lord his God. Yea, and they were all exceedingly sorrowful, even that they did murmur against the Lord. Now be, it came to pass that I, Nephi, having been afflicted with my brethren because of the loss of my bow, and their bows having lost their springs, it began to be exceedingly difficult, yea, insomuch that we could obtain no food. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did speak much unto my brethren, because they had hardened their hearts again, even unto the complaining against the Lord their God. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did make out of wood a bow, 
and out of a straight stick and arrow. Wherefore I did arm myself with a bow and an arrow and with a sling and with stones. And I said unto my father, Whither shall I go to obtain food? And so we have this beautiful example in the Book of Mormon of Nephi respecting this line of authority, respecting the stewardship and and going to his father to seek revelation on how to accomplish something and where to go to accomplish it, right? This idea that, okay, I'll make a new bow, but I need inspiration on where I should go to do this, where I should go to hunt, where I should go to catch food for my family. And he respects this line of authority and he honors his father as being the prophet. So I totally get where Elder Oaks and Elder Perry are coming from and where many other leaders in the church are coming from when they teach this principle. The problem is, like so many other things, there are exceptions. And and Elder Oaks and Elder Perry leave very little room for exceptions. But the scriptures have them. And so I'd like us to turn to the to the story we told in this Sunday school class. And so where we're going to go is just one chapter later. First Nephi. So this is remarkable, right? We have, we have the, the rule being followed in first Nephi chapter 16. And then we get the exception to the rule in first Nephi chapter 17. And yet so often within our faith, within our manuals, within our teachings, we completely miss those exceptions. We just, our brain doesn't pick them up and we block them out and we, we somehow just kind of ignore them and skip over them. But it's there. First Nephi chapter 17 verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that we did again take our journey in the wilderness. And we did travel nearly eastward from that time forth. And we did travel and wade through much affliction in the wilderness. And our women did bear children in the wilderness. So this idea that here they are, they're traveling, right? So they, they've got the bows fixed. They've done some hunting. Uh, Nephi asks his father where to go. And so they catch food and, and the family's all happy again. And they begin their journey again. And then it talks about where they arrive at. This is in verse five, where it says, and we did come to the land, which we called bountiful because of its much fruit and also wild honey. And all these things were prepared of the Lord that we might not perish and we beheld the sea and we called, which we called Ariantum, which being interpreted is many waters. And it came to pass that we did pitch our tents by the seashore and notwithstanding we had suffered many afflictions and much difficulty. Yea, even so much that we cannot write them all. We were exceedingly rejoiced when we came to the seashore and we called the place bountiful because of its much fruit. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, had been in the land of bountiful for the space of many days. The voice of the Lord came unto me, saying, Arise, and get thee into the mountain. And it came to pass that I arose and went up into the mountain and cried unto the Lord. Now it should be noted, Lehi hasn't died. He doesn't die until Second Nephi chapter 4. Neph- or Lehi is healthy. Lehi is able to travel. Lehi has his mind. And Lehi is the prophet of God. And yet the Lord calls Nephi to go up into the mountain. Starting in verse 8. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou shalt construct a ship after the manner which I shall show thee, that I may carry thy people across these waters. And I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I find ore to molten, and that I may make tools to construct the ship after the manner which thou hast shown unto me? And it came to pass that the Lord told me, 
whither I should go to find ore, that I may make tools. And then Nephi proceeds to do what the Lord has told him to do. He gets the ore, he makes the tools, and he starts building a ship. A ship that the Lord has told him is designed to carry his family across the waters. A family that is led by the patriarch of the family, Lehi. But not just that. Lehi is the prophet of God. The prophet of God. He is the one in highest authority. And yet Nephi, aside, outside of, of any connection with Lehi and, the, and his brothers and his family, the Lord comes to him and says, look, come up into the mountain. I got to talk to you. And Nephi goes up there and, and the pro, or the Lord says to Nephi, you've got to build a ship to carry this family across the waters. Nephi is receiving revelation outside of his stewardship. He is not the prophet and he is not the patriarch of the family. Even earlier in the Book of Mormon, Nephi receives these visions that essentially bear witness that the visions his father received are true. That's totally within stewardship. When when Nephi's bow breaks and he asks his father, where shall we go? He's totally within his stewardship. Even when he's fetching the brass plates and he's killing Laban by chopping off his head, it's his father Lehi who has received a vision from the Lord and told him to go back and fetch them. Hence, it was within his stewardship to receive revelation of how to accomplish the thing that his father and the prophet have commanded him to do. But here it is different. Here, Nephi, in and of himself, the Lord has taken him up to the mountain to have a conversation with him and then gives him a revelation outside of his stewardship to build the ship to take his family across. Brothers and sisters, there are exceptions to every rule. And way too often within the gospel, we paint things as black and white. Elder Oaks and Elder Perry, whom I love and adore, have painted this as if there are no exceptions to the rule. And I am saying that there are. And the times we live in, when things seem to run contrary to scriptures, contrary to the spirit, contrary to what feels like right and wrong, I am saying that there are exceptions to the rule to stand up and to be a voice for righteousness. May the Lord warm your shoulders. God bless you. And it's my prayer that each of us will stand up for what is right and will do what is right, rather than being just obedient when the opposite is the case. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let's go.